democracy. Hello and welcome to Watching China in Europe. I'm your host, Noah Barkin, and today we're going to be talking about transatlantic frictions around AUKUS, the Australian submarine deal with the US and the UK, as well as Europe's quest for a common policy on China and the implications of the recent German election. And it's hard for me to think of a better person to discuss all of these issues with than Maurice Gordeau-Montagne, who served as French ambassador to China, to Germany, to the UK, and to Japan, as well as national security advisor to French President Jacques Chirac, and secrétaire général in the French foreign ministry, that's the number two uh, position in the Quai d'Orsay, up until 2019. Ambassador, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Noah. Thank you very much. Very pleased to be with you. So I, I want to start with uh, the Australian submarine deal, uh, which triggered quite a, a furious reaction earlier this month in France. Uh, German President uh, Emmanuel Macron uh, withdrew France's ambassadors from Washington and Canberra. France's foreign minister, Jean-Yves Le Drian, called it a stab in the back. Senior French officials spoke of lasting damage to the transatlantic relationship. There was even talk of delaying uh, the EU-US Trade and Technology Council in in Pittsburgh. But we also saw uh, uh, there was a call between Macron and Biden. Um, Paris and Washington seemed to have uh, patched things up to a certain extent. Um, So my question is, where do you think we are now? Has this episode cause lasting damage or not. So that's an episode which is very much unheard of. And that's why there was such an expression of anger by the French. Uh, because uh, we, we are in a new time in the transatlantic relation after uh, President Trump uh, is no longer there. Everyone has thought, would have thought that there would be at least some method of talking, some consultation, consultation before taking decisions which was not the case. So it was, it was a big surprise. A big surprise because, first of all, it was a running contract signed uh, five years ago. So a, a, any contract has its own difficulties. But uh, this one existed. It was not a contract under negotiation. And we know that when there is a negotiation, there are competitors, uh, the US, the French, the British. We work not against each other, but the best, the best will win. Now we, there was this contract. Then it was a, a sort of a feeling of an abandonment by, uh, by a major ally in a region where we are very much uh, working and being active. You remember there was a, an Indo-Pacific uh, strategy announced by President Macron in 2018 at Garden Islands on a, on a wharf off in Australia. And so this was well received at the time. And we thought we had a, a part to play in that region for obvious reasons. We have a say because we have territories there. We have 10 million square kilometers of uh, uh, economic zone uh, on sea, on the sea. We have uh, uh, cooperations with every island in the region for protection of the fish uh, and the resources in the sea, for coral reefs, uh, for, for the biodiversity. Plus, on the security and defense uh, aspect, we work, uh, we go every year with our naval vessels 
military vessels to the South China Sea. And so we expose ourselves in a region where the Americans are, but no other uh, countries of our zone. Yes, the Germans went once. Yes, the Dutch must have tried. Yes, the British are now trying to go, but the French do it regularly every year. And we have naval visits uh, by the Chinese just to remind them that, yes, we are, we are entitled to navigate on the high sea according to the treaties. And so that's something uh, we had the feeling was not taken into account by uh, our major uh, allied partner. Then last but not least, we know that the US stick to principles, in particular regarding all the issues of proliferation, as we do. And we are, I would say, the best partners in that regard. And so our surprise was very big, very <laughs> incredible, when we, see, we saw that instead of conventional submarines, which we were asked by the Australians to deliver, uh, the, uh, and which we, the, the Americans were ready to supply uh, nuclear submarines, which we would have been able to do because we transformed our nuclear submarines into the conventional ones for, to please the, the Australians and according to their will. So uh, that's a major issue. We don't fear, of course, the Australians as being proliferating, but the technology which will be delivered is a high-enriched uranium to fuel the engines of the submarines. And uh, this technology uh, is, uh, gives a possibility to uh, create an atomic bomb. The Australians won't do that, but this is, a, I would say, a, a, an ominous precedent for the region because there are other countries around the Pacific area and in the world and uh, who would, would, could have the idea of uh, being uh, less, I would say, uh, rigorous uh, themselves uh, in that uh, regard. So here we are for the moment. Uh, we, we would have been ready to discuss, to be participant. Plus, there was, it was the day uh, when it was announced of uh, the Indo-Pacific strategy of the EU. So we could have discussed. We are aware of this uh, Pacific deterrence initiative, which has been launched. Uh, we would have been part of it, uh, and we shall be part of it in a way or another. Uh, we can come back on that but uh, uh, we know that China is putting a bigger pressure now than it was doing in 2016 when the deal was signed. Uh, yes, there is pressure on Hong Kong. Yes, there is pressure with aggressions on the Indian border. Yes, there, is, uh, there are pressures uh, on, ta on Taiwan, which are far more, I would say, uh, radical than they were before. But to be ignored, to be set aside as if nothing would have been done by the French... Uh, it was something surprising and created a shockwave and some mistrust. And mistrust in international relations amongst allies is not something, uh, I would say, proper. So we have to rebuild a relationship. The conversation which took place between President Biden and President Macron was a first step. Now we need acts, not only words. Yes, there was a commitment to go further in depth in our common strategic interests, which exist uh, a lot. Uh, we, must, we have some commitment by the US that uh, uh, Africa and the Sahel region will remain a zone of interest and of support by the US to the French troops which are there. And I must say, in that regard, the cooperation between the, the, the French and the, and the American soldiers is excellent. So we, we need that to be continued. 
And then we shall go further because security, which was uh, at stake in the Pacific, uh, is a global issue. And so there is, if you talk about uh, security in the Pacific area, you talk also of security in Europe and elsewhere. So this is the global framework of how we see the situation at the moment. I want, I want to talk a little bit about European strategic autonomy, of which France has been a leading a proponent. The, the idea of a strong, independent Europe that is neither in the U.S. camp nor in the Chinese camp. This is a term that has been, interestingly, embraced by Beijing because it implies, I think, distance to Washington. And it, it, it's a term that I think is frowned upon a little in Washington because many see it as Europe uh, sitting on the fence, uh, so to speak. Now, the AUKUS deal seems to have reinforced France's commitment to strategic autonomy. Not that it was ever wavering, but there have been a few French officials who've come out and, and said that this sort of reinforces the importance of, of strategic autonomy. Do you agree with that? And, and, and what do you think the implications are of that? As I said, uh, there was a shockwave, and this is not yet over. And we have uh, a shockwave in France, of course, because the French are always far more talkative than others and far more vocal, let's say. But I'm sure, and I know it, that with other countries where some doubts were raised in the past after Article 5 was put in question during the previous uh, mandate of, uh, with the one of Mr. Trump, there were some question marks. And so uh, we're working on a European defense. Autonomous means that we need to have a say on what we decide, the, the decision-making process, and not being imposed. Uh, that doesn't mean we would uh, leave uh, NATO. That would, it wouldn't mean we wouldn't be allies. But to be ally doesn't mean to be aligned. And that's something uh, on which we have to think about. There were some progresses done in the EU uh, defense approach in the last four years, in particular regarding the military budget. Uh, there is a defense fund uh, for funding some, uh, I would say, resources in weaponry and armament. There was a European initiative of intervention with uh, about 15 member states, which is a sort of uh, setting up an expeditionary force uh, in case there would be some aggression. Uh, we have in our Constitution of Europe uh, uh, an article which, uh, which is as the Article 5 of NATO. The one who is attacked, uh, one is attacked, all are attacked, and all must retaliate uh, with the ones who have been attacked. Uh, we, in Africa, we, are, we have mutualized some forces, which is a big step ahead. Uh, we have decided some combat systems in aeronautics, uh, jet aircrafts, with the Spaniards and the Dutch and the Germans. Uh, also for armored vehicles uh, in the field of intelligence. We have progressed as well. So there is already something. There is a sort of package which needs to be developed, which will never compete with what NATO does because NATO has other competencies, has another field of, uh, I would say, intervention. But it gives us, I would say, some means to exert some autonomy, some independence, and of course, sovereignty. Sovereignty, every single country has a sovereignty. The question is, have you the means to exert your sovereignty, to show that you are independent in your decision-making process? Here we are. And what we need, absolutely, which and there is still a lot of to do, and in, in, I would say talking with uh, the, the, the American partners uh, is a, a doctrine, a strategic doctrine, defense doctrine, which doesn't exist yet. 
So when I see the communique uh, of uh, the, the statement by Macron and, uh, and Biden, there are some hints that something could be done. I was talking about uh, the security being a global issue. Yes, uh, this is something important. For instance, there are strategic discussions which will take place between Russia and the US. In between, there is Europe. And we have a sky in Europe where missiles go through and we don't have a say. So it would be appropriate, and France is a nuclear country, which has a say on these issues. We have a, a nuclear deterrence. We, it would be appropriate that we can be part of the discussion. Remember Macron said one day, uh, we need a new architecture of security, which would include Russia. Doesn't mean we, are, we shall please Russia. We think that we are neighbors, so we have Russia to be part of it, and we have ourselves to be part of the discussion. This is an example. And so um, we shall continue to go ahead on these issues of defense for Europe, not putting in danger uh, the NATO consistency. And if I read this statement by uh, Macron and Biden, there is clearly the idea that the European defense has its part to play in the whole uh, approach of security. So do we, we have uh, the, the big issue of uh, NATO and China. That's an issue which we have to be dealt with. Uh, is it appropriate that NATO would prepare a planification on China? On that, we need to discuss a lot. The French are quite reluctant because NATO has a certain, uh, I would say, perimeter. Uh, we know that NATO has been active in the Middle East, uh, in training, for instance. But uh, do we need to gather together all the countries around, uh, I would say, alongside with the US to attack China? No. So we come back to the issue of Indo-Pacific, which is the region where some, uh, I would say, uh, I wouldn't say containment, because containment uh, presents some, I would say, aggressive aspect. Let's say fight against hegemony. And hegemony, uh, fight against hegemony means cooperations, with India, that's the case of France. We have India as a strategic partner. We have uh, our uh, we have our um, fleet in the in the Indian Ocean, which can uh, has facilities in uh, in Indian harbors. We have given facilities to the to the Indian Navy in at La Réunion. So these are the type of things we can do: common maneuver, balance of forces. The thing is, how can we balance the forces? How can we set up some red lines, uh, which must be understood by the ones in front? But uh, a front doesn't mean that we, we fight each other uh, on the terrain. As you mentioned, news of the submarine deal broke just as the EU was unveiling its Indo-Pacific strategy. France, of course, uh, has its territories in the Indo-Pacific. It is arguably the only real European player in the region. You made this point. France was a driving force behind the EU's push to develop an Indo-Pacific strategy. How how damaging? I mean, you you've talked, you just mentioned India. How how damaging is this Australian deal for France's and for Europe's uh, am, ambitions in the Indo-Pacific? Do you think? You know, damaging is uh, it is damaging to a certain extent because we our our strategy was from Abu Dhabi, where we have a, a military base with uh, vessels, uh, with our navy, with some uh, rafales. Uh, with some troops over the Indian Ocean, with India, uh, to which we have delivered uh, submarines, 
We are delivering uh, combat aircraft uh, already delivered, and they will build combat aircrafts um, over uh, Southeast Asia. We are now very much present in some initiatives taken under the umbrella of the ASEAN countries. Uh, we participate in Singapore at the Shangri-La Dialogue every year. And then over to Japan, where we have the two plus two dialogue, uh, which means defense ministers plus foreign ministers for the last 10 years. So we, we discuss very much. There was another leg, I would say, to the, 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 the building, to the construction, which was Australia. Australia, for the moment, will, will be for us a question. And so we shall not, uh, question mark, we shall not talk for a while with the Australians. But Australians... First, there is the public, public opinion in Australia, which will have a say uh, one day or another. Uh, we have New Zealand. We talk with, the new, with New Zealand very much. Um, you said we have our uh, national interest in the region. Uh, we shall continue because it's the region where everything takes place. It's the region when there is more and more trade. It's the region where there are more and more tensions. And so we are touched by all these issues. We are, it's part of our interest to be there. Yes, we have a, a leg less in our, in our strategy. Uh, it doesn't prevent us from continuing part cooperation with the, the Pacific Islands in all the sectors I mentioned before. Uh, it doesn't prevent us from continuing cruise uh, through the, the Chaos China Sea with our, with our military vessels and to show that, yes, uh, we are combating for freedom alongside with others and maybe one day have uh, again uh, I would say, a consultation and coordination with uh, major partners and less major partners. So, in my view, it doesn't block for us the fact that we shall continue. On the contrary, we are more than ever decided, uh, we'd say, uh, determined to go ahead in our cooperations with the region for a balance of forces with others. I want to shift gears a bit and, and take a, a step back uh, looking at Europe's uh, uh, policy uh, towards China. Um, I, I believe you had a role in organizing the April 2019 meeting in Paris between Macron, Merkel, Juncker, and Xi Jinping uh, when you were at the uh, Quai d'Orsay. Um, at, at the time, this was seen as a strong signal of Europe's determination to work together to send uh, a united message when, when talking with China. Uh, but it seems to me that Europe has struggled to a certain extent to build on that meeting. Um, you know, on the one extreme, you have, you have countries like Hungary who are blocking statements on Hong Kong. On the other, you have Lithuania being punished by China for allowing uh, Taiwan to open uh, a representative office in the country. So I, I'm curious whether you think a united European position on China is re really just a dream that will never be realized or whether you think this is a realistic goal that Europe should be striving for? That's a, a key question for the future. Um, you must have, we must keep in mind that uh, just uh, prior to the visit of Xi Jinping to France in March 2019, which is not so old a uh, story, uh, there was this... Uh, an, an announcement by the this uh, statement by the by the commission of the european union that china was a systemic rival so erecting systems which are not uh, in our favor which are out of detriment but was also a competitor which means that there is a stimulation between the eu and the, and the china and is also a partner 
That may seem paradoxical, but this is how diplomacy is made of. <laughs> this is not always black and white. We have to work with China. We share with other partners, I mean the US in particular, the fact that we must fight against forced transfers of technologies, looting of technologies, uh, access to the market, pu um, public markets, uh, level playing field. These are issues where we share very much with the Americans. But uh, the Chinese need us, when I say uh, us, um, it means the, 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 the Europeans, we need the Chinese market, let's be realistic, and I guess the US have also their, their needs with China. Let's remember the bonds, uh, which are emitted by the, the Federal Reserve, are bought uh, back by uh, the Central Bank of China. Uh, as China buys a lot of products from, uh, uh, the US buy a lot of products from China. So we are in some uh, interdependency. And the, the Europeans may be more than others. So we need to talk with the Chinese. There is, uh, an, so we, we still are sticking to this uh, doctrine of systemic rival, competitor and partner. We signed uh, during the, the presidency of Germany, of the EU, uh, in the last quarter of 2020, this comprehensive agreement on investments, which has been negotiated for about eight years, if I'm not wrong, with 35 rounds of negotiation. It was not a perfect deal. It had to be approved by the European Parliament, by every single parliament of the EU, because the EU is also a democratic uh, construction, and it has been blocked. It has been blocked because there were sanctions uh, by the US uh, for certain reasons, which were followed by the EU. And now there is a retaliation on, with other sanctions by the Chinese. We must get out of this trap. We must work with China in a way or another, find uh, a way to do it. We can discuss on the basis of these principles I was just remind, reminding. Uh, there are lots of possibilities. Uh, we have uh, trade issues, for instance, let's, we, we must bear in mind that the EU is the first trade partner of China, uh, so training partner. So uh, we, we, we must bear in mind that WTO doesn't work anymore for various reasons, because of the Chinese, because of the US, because of many. So we have to invent new trade rules, because if we are, uh, I would say, withdrawing behind our, be, behind our borders, uh, the, 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 the progress will stop and will, we shall have lots of economic and social problems. So we need growth and the growth will be, built, will be done uh, with many. So these are issues on which we shall work in the next times. I wouldn't say that the, what happened with the Australian uh, uh, issue, uh, the Australian problem on this uh, the, the deal uh, has a direct impact uh, the question would have been raised anyway. What do we do with China? But we need to work. The Germans have their interest. The French have their interest in particular. Uh, when we talk French and Germans to the, to, to the, to the Chinese, they listen very carefully what, what we can say uh, for various reasons. The French, because we are a permanent member of Security Council, because we are a political power, we have a projection of forces in certain regions, the, the, also for some technological reasons. And the Germans, because they have their share, their their, their share of the, of the Chinese market, and all their, their the, the fact they are the leading country for economy, industry, and so uh, there will be other developments, which shall not be against the U.S. 
but which must be, I would say, for uh, the good stay, the good sake of the EU itself. Well, I, I want to I uh, talk a little bit about Germany. As you may have noticed, we had an, an election on September 26th. Um, we, we don't know for sure what, uh, what, what government is, is going to emerge. It does look increasingly like it will be a government led by the Social Democrats, the SPD candidate Olaf Scholz, and include the Greens and the Free Democrats. This government may not come together for, for several weeks or, or months. What we do know for sure is that Angela Merkel will no longer uh, be running the show in, in Berlin. I'm curious what you think her departure means for Germany's approach to China. You were ambassador here in Germany and, and the broader quest for a, for a common China policy. Does a change of government in Germany lead to a change in Germany's China policy, which then leads to a, a change in the European debate about China? My bet, knowing a bit of Germany and a bit of the actors, uh, Mrs. Merkel, uh, whom I got to know when she started and uh, by, by whom I was an ambassador later on, uh, ten years after. Um, uh, Olaf Scholz, whom I knew when he was uh, Erster Bürgermeister in, uh, in Hamburg, uh, every one of them has an approach of China which is very open-minded for uh, interests, mercantile interests of uh, uh, Germany uh, remaining a major uh, producer, uh, manufacturer and a leading country in many fields. So, of course, there will be a coalition. And so if there is a coalition with FDP and Green together, they will have to discuss. There will be certain issues, in particular regarding human rights, these kind of questions, which are, of course, part of our uh, legacy uh, as Europeans and uh, on which we have a say. But uh, globally, I would say there would be a continuity. Everyone knows that Mrs. Merkel used to go to China tens of times and, uh, and every year, at least. And that Olaf Scholz was organizing in Hamburg at the time I was there, and every year a day of China, where he invited, he used to invite uh, leaders, leading personalities, uh, prominent people coming from China and having a say and talking about. So China is changing. Germany is changing. Europe, we are considering maybe some issues with uh, a nuanced, differentiated approach. But globally, we need each other, so Germany will need China. We shall need China alongside with Germany. We shall talk about it. We have a doctrine. Uh, and so there will not be a major change regarding uh, this uh, Chinese, China policy. Uh, plus, Germany will have a lot to catch up because uh, Mrs. Merkel was a, a, a stable partner. That was important to us, and we overcome together, we overcame together many big crises, uh, financial crisis, sovereign debt crisis, COVID. We ended by the, the COVID by mutualizing our debt, having a common debt of Europe, only for that purpose, not the rest of it. The rest, we, everyone, every single state has its debt. But uh, COVID debt for the recovery plan, economic plan, is shared. So these are major issues, but there, is still, there are still infrastructures, there is the question of digitalization, uh, there is the, the issue of, uh, of energy and uh, climate. These are issues which have, been, which, have to be, which have to be tackled in the next future uh, by the new German government, and we shall work alongside. Let's, for us, what will happen in Germany will remain crucial 
for a single reason, we are the first partner, uh, the first economic partner of this of, of, of Germany combined. If you see investments and trade, this is huge. Of course, China, uh, the US are above us regarding the, 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 the exchange and the, the, what we do together uh, in the economy. But so we need each other. Uh, and so the French and the Germans for the last 70 years have been working hand in hand. It's not easy. I would say we are now prone to compromise. We are trained to compromise, which is the key of our success. But regarding China, we worked very well together. And so I am quite confident that there will be a stability, a continuity in this uh, uh, German, French, China policy and, uh, and EU policy as such. Well, we're going to have to stop there. I'd, I'd love to talk about another election, one that is coming up in, in France uh, in the spring, but perhaps that's for the next uh, uh, podcast. Ambassador, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Noah. Thank you. Bye-bye. And thanks also to everyone for listening in. Don't miss my Watching China in Europe newsletter each month and stay tuned for more discussions about the Europe-China relationship on this podcast in the months ahead. Thank you.